I want to speak just a little bit on, on, uh, on the pastor appreciation thing. MJ has been with us uh, this year, and uh, he's actually not going to, he's going to be doing an internship next year, so he won't be with us, but he's done a great job, so if you would give him a hand, we do appreciate you a lot. Um, Rob's overworking hard with the kids. I think he's unnoticed quite a bit, uh, just because he's, he's always over there. And uh, Garrett was playing the drums. He helped set up for Trunk Retreat yesterday. After having a, a all-night lock-in with 68 junior hires in here Friday night, so uh, nothing wrong with the ju junior hires are great. I see some of you here, but I remember why I left youth ministry, so uh, so I could I could just come and, and print sermons off the internet and stand up. You know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, Operation Christmas Child. You saw the video last week. You saw the joy that it brings to the people receiving it. Today we showed that video because you see the joy of of those who are helping to uh, pack the shoe boxes and make it happen. I want to give you a little more motivation. When the boxes come in, we're going to put them across the stage right here, starting on, on the ends. And uh, if you get enough, you don't have to see me on Sunday mornings. Yep, you'll be blocked here. Um, all right, so last week we talked about managing life or, or, um, or using what we have with what God has given us today. Not what we once had and not what we hope to have someday, but what do we do right now with what God has given us? And so today we read another um, suggestion or possibly command in, uh, it's a, in Ecclesiastes 11. It will be in verse 7 uh, eventually. But, but the, the, the command is very simple. Uh, it's just what the title of the sermon is, Enjoy Life. Enjoy Life, something that's, do we, do we really do that? Uh, at times I think we might. We have good days and bad days, we say. Um, but do we really find joy in the life that we've been given? Uh, Psalm 149.2 says, Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Psalm 97.12, Rejoice in the Lord, you who are righteous, and praise his holy name. Psalm 96.11, Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound in all that is in it. Matthew 5.12, Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. Luke 15, 6, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Verse 9, rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. All these, these commands to rejoice or, or to find joy, to express joy. Romans 12, 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 simply says, rejoice always. And Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And so, so last week, like I said, we, had, we were trying to figure out ways to manage our life well, to live the life that we've been given in a way that is honoring to God and that expands His kingdom. And then today we hear this command to enjoy life, and, and I wonder sometimes, do we separate those? Do I say, well, I'm, I'm going to enjoy life for sure. Uh, that's, that's part of what I do maybe on Friday night and Saturday night and maybe Sunday afternoons, but then I'll, I'll give God his time. I'll, I'll start my day by reading the Bible and praying, and, and I'll pray before meals, and I'll, I'll go to church one or two hours a week. All those things are good things, of course, but does it go together? Can it go together? And, and I, the answer is yes. We can find joy in God, not, not apart from God, but with God, and that's what we're going to look at today. Um, as, as much as... Uh, I, I would like to say on this, I found a couple of people who are a lot smarter that said some really good things that stood out to me. The first is a, is a preacher named John Piper, and he says that we should pursue hedonism. Now, hedonism is, I had to look this up, it's the pursuit of pleasure, sensual, sensual self-indulgence. It's the ethical theory that pleasure 
is the highest good and proper aim of human life. And to, to hear that we should pursue that, I thought, well, that, that doesn't sound biblical. Well, he actually said we should pursue Christian hedonism, and he came up with a definition that, that really makes sense for, for Christians and hopefully for the whole world. Uh, he says that Christian hedonism is uh, when God is most glorified in us, when we are most satisfied in him. So abundant joy and total commitment at the same time, managing life well, yet finding joy uh, through, uh, from God at the same time. And I'm stealing his illustration here. Uh, he talks about his, his marriage. And so I'll just say this. It's my anniversary, uh, not today, November 15th. It's coming up, 10 years. Um, I got the date right, too. Uh, my nephew was born on November 15th. Peyton's here. And my mom's birthday is November 15th. So I picked a day I could remember. It worked out so far. Um, but anyway, it's my anniversary, and I say to Jen, I'm going to take you out tonight for our 10th anniversary because I know that that will make me happy. She wouldn't say, that's so selfish of you. you, why, would you why would you do that? You're just taking me out so that you can be happy. See, no, the idea is that when I find satisfaction uh, in being with my wife, well, then she's honored. And the same of Christian hedonism is this idea that I find satisfaction in my relationship with God and he is satisfied, or he is, he is honored. And so we don't have to choose. Uh, John Piper caps it off. He says that Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as it causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the Word and in the world. And so this idea that we see Jesus both in the Word or in the Bible and also in the world. And I don't know how well we really do this. First of all, we have to read our Bibles to find Jesus in the Word. Um, so if we don't do that, we're, we're out on that. We're losing that joy. Um, and then second, we try to find Jesus in the world around us. and That's pretty tough sometimes. I, I think it's hard to, to, to look around at all the bad in the world and, and, and see where Jesus is, but, but we look for it. Um, maybe. See, I don't know if we even, if we even care about this anymore. Um, I, I just know it's easy to get wrapped up in life, uh, in, the, in the challenges, in the problems, in our ambitions, and we, we forget to find joy, uh, the joy of Jesus in the world. Um, but another guy, the second guy I wanted to talk about, he expanded on this idea very well. He actually did it before John Piper, uh, because uh, this guy was, is a lot older, um, or was he? I think he died in 50-some years ago. C.S. Lewis. He said, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. He says, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. It is like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he could not imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. So this idea that we're, we're trying to find joy, we're trying to, we're trying to create joy when it's offered to us as a gift and we just we have to accept that. And in his book, Mere Christianity, it's a, a chapter titled Hope, he talks about three people that are in this pursuit or this hope of, of, of joy or of this life. And the first one is, is simple. It's a fool. And we know what a fool is. They, they go from one um, activity, one hobby, uh, one, one vacation, maybe one man or woman, to the next and hoping to find satisfaction, and, and it never happens. That's the fool. We can avoid that one. That's easily recognized. But the second person is... This is a challenge. It's, he calls this the sensible man. This is probably our greatest risk, 
in the country we live in and, and even in a small community that seems safe and comfortable. The sensible man, he, he says, uh, they no longer chase the rainbow's end. They no longer have ambition, uh, seek adventure or this joy of adventure uh, in, our, in our following of God and in, in our relationship with Christ. And so we look, these people have comfort and they lower the bar and there's no adventure and there's no joy. And I, I know I'm not, I, I think that all of us have this risk and we probably have all moved in that direction some and we're just, just waiting until uh, we get to heaven to, to find that real joy and to see what it's like. I can't wait, I can't wait to see what it's going to be like someday. And that's great. The, the future glory revealed will be much greater what are we doing now in our pursuit of this joy? He says that the Christian believes that creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. If I can find myself a desire which no expertise in the, or experience in the world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. That's not the answer we see. You know, if we can't find satisfaction or joy, we, just, we can look somewhere else. Our desires aren't met, so we think, well, we'll have to find them apart from God. Drunkenness, gluttony, laziness, pedophilia, all these things that we see about, we think, what is wrong with the world around us? They're simply, these people are simply trying to experience a joy that will not happen. And we're, we're probably just as guilty. We forget about heaven, we just want satisfaction right now. This is when we want it. So, understanding that joy is not just being happy today, uh, isn't finding contentment, isn't creating a, a life that someday will make me happy. Understanding that joy can be in our relationship with God. Um, we'll go into this text here and, uh, and, and read quite a bit about, about this joy. So Ecclesiastes 11, beginning in verse 7. He says, Light is sweet, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. But let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. Now, this idea of meaningless it doesn't mean there's no meaning. It means that it's really hard to grasp. And the idea of joy, and joy in, in our relationship with God, I think this can be hard to grasp. And so the first thing we do then is enjoy it. Um, we, we enjoy our lives. We just do it. Uh, we enjoy life intentionally. Enjoying life isn't faking a smile and going through and everything's okay all the time, life's, life's perfect. No, it's not, but we can still have joy. It means that we find it in spite of our circumstances, regardless of what's going on. Um, when I was writing the sermon, uh, I received a phone call that was not pleasant, and it took about four hours for me to deal with a situation that added a lot of stress to my life. You know how hard it was to find joy that day? It was, it was tough. Maybe it means that we just think about what we have, what we're thankful for, this attitude of gratitude. And I think there's great value in waking up and, and being thankful for, for what we have and, and even listing those out, maybe in our minds or even on paper. But it's more than that. It's not, it's not just that. There's a lot more to joy, so we'll keep going and find it here. Um, the ne next, we enjoy life today. Uh, there's, there's not much new here. Last week, I mentioned this idea that we predict the future of what will uh, what will happen if we live a certain way. And the same thing with joy. If I, if I marry this person or have these kids and, um, and get this job, then someday I will be happy. I will have joy. Well, it's probably not going to happen because of your circumstances. Jesus mentions, or he talks about not worrying about those future problems, the things that we don't know exist. Matthew 6, 34. 
Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus recognized that we will get those phone calls, and we will open certain mail, mail and we'll have someone talk to us, and we'll have challenges, and, and it can rob us of our joy. And so the answer then of how we find this joy or this, this fulfilling life, he says right in the verse before, Matthew six thirty three. but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And so instead of seeking first joy, now we seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and we will receive. It's, a, it's, a big, it's just an, an order there. We either that we think we can create it and we make it, but instead we receive it, we find it then you will find joy. Verse 9, you who are young, be happy while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Next, we enjoy life while remembering God. Now, the first thing that stands out in that text is God's judgment, right? There, is a, there are experiences or things that we think of as joy that we will suffer from tomorrow and we will regret in 10 years, but there's a different kind. So we remember God's judgment. But I think it's more than that because if we're only in fear all the time, that's, that's not a way to live. Instead, we remember who God is. When we're seeking this joy, we think about who this God is that, uh, that we're reading about, and we're going to talk a lot about that later. But I, I'm reminded of, of, uh, of someone who, who remembered this through hard times. Uh, her name was uh, Corey Tenboom, and she endured the horrors of Ravensbrück, the infamous Nazi concentration camp. Uh, after her imprisonment, Corey traveled through the world, um, telling her story of suffering in the context of her faith in God. So for 33 years following Ravensbrück, she never had a permanent home. Uh, when she was 85 years old, some friends provided her a lovely home in California. It was a luxury she never dreamed of. And one day, as a friend was leaving her home, he said, Corey, hasn't God been good to you to give you such a beautiful place? She, she firmly re responded, God was good when I was in Ravensbrook too. See the circumstances, the, the way that her, I mean, a, a female concentration camp, the, how bad that may have been. And she remembered God. And that's how we find joy, even in the hard times. We remember who God is. We don't have strength. We're weak. Corey Tinboom alone was not strong. She would have been weak. Every person alone, we're not that strong. But Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Not the joy of your family, not the joy of your, of your, um, of your job, not the joy of, of your friends. The joy of the Lord is your strength. If we want to be strong people, if we want to be able to handle what life brings and, and, and not, I'm happy with this because these circumstances are good, but as soon as I talk to this person, then it's all gone. I'm just getting, getting through the, the day, getting through the week, trying to get to Friday. I want to get to the weekend, and I can't wait till retirement. I'm going to be happy then. I'm going to have all this joy when I get to this point. No, you won't. If you're looking in the same way, if you're looking for that circumstance, you won't have it then. The joy of the Lord is our strength. At this point, it seems like the text is about a young person. Uh, that's what he's mentioned so far. So I have, I have good news and, and bad news. Uh, the, the good news is there's joy for old, I shouldn't say it like that, there's joy for people who are past their youth, right? The bad news um, is 
then it doesn't appear, it doesn't all appear to be pleasant through this text. Um, but the reality is, and this is, this is probably the most important part, the joy that we find in our youth, the joy that we find in, in our middle ages and in our elderly years, exact same. The joy comes from the same place. The joy is the same. Um, and, and so the good news about that is even if life gets worse, even if challenges continue to increase, uh, our joy can actually grow because our maturity in Christ would also grow. So let's take a look then. Uh, verse 10, it says this, So then, banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come in the years approach, when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinder sees because they are few, and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when people rise up at the sound of birds, but all the songs grow faint, when people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and no desire is stirred, then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. You came to hear a sermon on joy today, right? Um, it may not sound like it there, but this next idea is that we enjoy life with one foot in the grave. We enjoy life as we age. Your youth will pass. Young people, uh, you'll, you'll hear it. It goes by quickly, and, and, and some might look to me and say, I remember when I was 32, and I remember when I was 12, and maybe, maybe much younger, uh, maybe when I was five, and, and it feels like it was, that was two weeks ago. The truth is, whether, whatever stage we're in, it does go by quickly. Richard Needham said, the seven ages of man are this, are spills, drills, thrills, bills, ills, pills, and wills. Just, just, it almost seems like it goes that fast. Terry Pratchett said, inside every old person is a young person wondering what happened. Isn't, isn't that the truth? When we look in the mirror, and I know there are people around me, but when I look in the mirror, I... I think, that's not what it looked like last week. Uh, maybe in my mind, I'm still 17 or 18. I don't know, but and it, it just moves. So in this text, there's a lot of symbolism about aging, uh, allegory. It almost feels like I'm reading Revelation, uh, but it says this. Uh, I'm just going to explain some of these, these, uh, these, uh, this, the symbolism here. It says, Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. Now, light to, dar light to dark refers to aging, and then the clouds returning after the rain refers to possibly more judgment or more effects of aging, possibly aging that we've caused. I'm not really for sure, um, but I'm just kind of reading into that a little bit. Um, and so this idea that, that the clouds come in, and then, and then after the rain, so that means the clouds go away, there's more clouds come in. The effects of aging uh, will continue. It, it might change, but, but when one thing goes away, something else might be following. And it says, when the, when the keepers of the house tremble and strong men stoop, it refers to weakness in, in arms and, and weakness in legs. Um, all, this, uh, all this joy here in, in aging. But, but good thing, we, but we're not, we're not going to find it in this. And so that's the key. It says, when the, when the grinders seize because they are few, that's when your teeth fall out. And, and so you don't chew as much. 
and, and looking through the windows grow dim. That's your, your eyes. Uh, our, our vision goes as we continue to, to age. And when the, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, that was actually, that's different grinding. That's grinding of grain. And, and so that means there were workers present. There was production going on. And as we get older, life begins to maybe be less productive in that sense. Um, and it says, when people rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. See, when people rise up at the sound of birds, you, you wake up. Uh, you sleep maybe a little bit more lightly and wake up to every sound. But then when you wake up and you try to hear something, uh, you, you can't understand wh- uh, what people are saying. So we hear everything, and, but the songs grow faint. It says, um, when people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets. So as, as, we're, as we're younger, we play games um, that we know we're going to get knocked down and we're okay, we'll, we'll get back up. And uh, we might take that risk and jump, you know, take a far jump or, or uh, see if I can um, jump off of this building and, and land that without breaking anything. And then as we grow older, we realize that's not a good idea. Uh, when, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along, no desire is stirred. The almond tree blo- blossoming refers to uh, the graying of our hairs. Um, and, uh, and the grasshopper gives an image of, of being hunched over as, as we age. Um, and it's just, just a lot there. But then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. So what does all this mean? You are on your way to your eternal home. Every single person here, we are on our way to our eternal home. We have reminders. Every ache you feel, uh, every gray hair you see in the mirror, every time you can't lift this or open that jar, we can think, man, I'm getting old, this is bad. Or we can remember, this is another reminder that I'm not staying here that this world is not my home, that, I, that there will be a time when I don't have that gray hair. Um, well, I don't know what color of hair is going to be when we're in heaven, but, but when I don't feel this ache or pain, when these, when these signs of aging, it doesn't matter anymore. You are one day closer to eternal joy. We can look at it very positively, or we can just wonder, does this life even matter? Do I really matter as a person? If, if we're going to get there anyway, what, what makes a difference? Well, I'm so glad that the author here did not finish um, it, with those verses. He keeps going. It's chapter 12, verse 6. He says, Remember him before the silver cord is severed, and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring, and the wheel broken at the well, and the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. Last Enjoy life until your, until your final breath. See, joy, some people say, well, it's a choice to, to be joyful. Now, joy, joy being joyful is, is an emotion uh, that we can have um, by putting ourselves in a way to have it. Uh, see, it's a gift from God, but if you look at all those commands of rejoicing, we don't rejoice because we just are going to fake being happy and walk around and smile. No, we, we receive it because we know who our maker is. We know who our savior is. We find joy in that rejoice in the Lord. And so I, I think beyond our final breath, we will just either have joy in heaven or we won't in hell. That's just, there won't be an option. We don't, we don't need a command to be joyful because it will, it will be that way in heaven. 
Um, but in this text here, we see, life as being, uh, we see life as being valuable and fragile at the same time until our, our very last day. Life is represented in this by a golden bowl, a pitcher, and a wheel at, at a well. And all those held water. And water is a symbol of, of life in the Bible. And so this first one, the golden bowl, says the silver cord is severed. And so this idea would be a silver cord uh, hanging and, and a golden bowl hanging from it. it. You know, it held it in its place. And if that cord severed, one, one little uh, um, strand breaks and it shatters. See, life is very fragile, although life is very valuable. It's a golden bowl. Um, the pitcher shattering, the wheel breaking would mean no more life. And then my favorite part of the text. And the spirit returns to God who gave it. I don't know about you, but when I read Ecclesiastes, I, I wonder, does this guy even believe in God? I mean, there are some things in there you think that it just seems like we're here and we're done. But he says here, the spirit returns to God who gave it. He acknowledges. Um, and so what do we do with this? Well... First, we, we enjoy life, but we have to have the reason. We can enjoy life in our youth and as we age and in our last days, but we have to know why we have that joy. The, the joy is a gift. Um, I want to, because it's about aging, I, I thought about the oldest person that I, I knew. Um, uh, his name is Raymond Brown, and uh, the picture's up there. You're, you're quicker than me. Um, and uh, Raymond was a uh, 101 and a half. His his funeral was a week a week and a half ago. Um, and uh, his his son told me that once you or when you're a baby, you know you count in in half years. So you know two and a half, three and a half little kids. And then he said once you turn 100, then you also start counting in half years again. Um, and so he was he actually died on his 101 and a half birthday, I guess, six months after his, after he turned 101. Um, but Raymond was very special to me and my family. We went and visited. Uh, the girls went and saw him, and, and, uh, and Raymond did a couple things. First, this cradle. Uh, he made that by hand out back in his wood shop. Um, it's very solid. It's put together. It's not something you would order on Ikea. Um, no offense to Ikea, but I mean, this thing, he, he, I think he told me he had a nice piece of cherry out back and just thought he would make that for us. Um, but he made that when he was 96, and it just, it just blew me away that, that someone could do that at 96 years old. And then uh, I, he made that, I think it was when uh, we had Evan, or right before, I think he was 98 when he made that the table and, and chairs. Uh, and I can sit in those little chairs, even though they're like this tall. I should have brought them. I, I didn't think about it until right now. Um, but uh, I can sit, I can stand on that table and probably jump up and down, and that thing's not, not going to break. Um, he put a lot into it, but, but he, either way, I just wanted to show this. He was 98 years old when he made that, and then in July, he had, he had a test and an allergic reaction to medicine, and he lost all of his strength, and he really couldn't do much, and that was tough for him. He said living that long, 101 years old, um, he said that was a, a blessing and a curse. Uh, it was a curse because he lost one of his two sons. He lost his wife after being married to her for, I, I think, over 50 years, um, but he said it was a blessing because he was able to serve the Lord. Now, he wasn't able to do it the same after 98 and a half, so those last three years, um, but he did for every, every day that he possibly could. When he was 98, he didn't ask or, or say, what, what, why, did, why couldn't I do this you know, for other people? I mean, if I, had, if I had this much money or this energy, but now I'm tired, he just did it. Um, when people would have their 50th wedding anniversaries, he would make a Last Supper carving 
uh, and give that to him. He, he found his way to serve the Lord through the gift he had. Um, that was the joy. Uh, but even for someone who lives over 100, life still isn't that long. I mean, it seems like he lived a long time. He told me that he heard Babe Ruth play baseball. He never saw him, but he heard him on the radio. Um, he lived through the Great Depression and told me some things that, uh, about that and how they got through it. But it still isn't that long. Um, we're going to live a lot longer. The, the truth is all of us will live forever in some way. Um, and the good news is this joy, this life of joy, extends well beyond. The gift came from Jesus. Um, it was an offering from God in a, in a way uh, that would bring us back to him. Um, and, and so far more than 100 years, we, we have the opportunity to live forever. Uh, and there's two choices. Um, and we don't, we don't talk about it much, but forever in hell uh, is one option. Uh, we can, we can uh, just forget about God. We can reject uh, the gospel. And we can say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to create or find joy while I'm on earth. And I'm just going to leave it at that. that. That's an option. And I'm good with that because God is just. We, wanna, we, don't, we, we want a God who is a God of justice. But the, the great news of the gospel is that he's not just just. He is also love. God is love. So we have a choice then to allow God to take the penalty to give us a gift of eternal life uh, that we can have beginning now, but in heaven forever. And he simply asks that, that we accept our need uh, for a Savior and that we, that, we, that we acknowledge that we're better off uh, with him. We repent and we follow him and we find joy in him. So knowing that, that God is so loving and so just, how can we not find this joy. So if you have a decision to make, if you don't know what this joy is, if you've been seeking for a while and you're just tired of it, and you want to know what this is about, this truth, uh, the good news of Jesus, I'd ask that you would uh, come forward uh, after, I, after I preach or, or during uh, um, when we have prayer counselors up here. Let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you so much uh, for who you are, uh, that, that we are, are not left alone to to try to figure out everything and, and manage our life and, and find joy and, and hope that someday we might be happy. Um, but you've given us your word. You've given us the truth, um, and you, you've shown us what it looks like uh, to be a just and loving Father. And so I, I pray that we continue to seek um, both uh, wisdom in, in managing our lives um, for, for your sake and for your glory, and also I, I, I hope that we will continue to find joy and to seek out what this means, so that no matter what circumstances we go through, um, that you, uh, you've given us a better, a better option. Most of all, we thank you for Jesus, and it's his name we pray.